As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, Josh Marlowe back with me. It is time for another one of our favorite editions of the podcast to do every year. Today on the podcast, we give you our breakout candidates for the 2021 season. Uh, this has gone well in the past. We both predicted Deami Brown would be a breakout candidate back in 2019. It also has not gone all that well. We are both still waiting for, or I am. I don't remember if you put him on there. I am still waiting for Chris Collins to break out for I my 2019 did that prediction. One. Chris Collins, also the season that I predicted him to break out, did not play a single game. So... Yeah, we're we're we're, we're going to see, um, you know, our list this year. I think uh, we we both thought when we were going through and doing this, it was a little more obvious this year than probably in past years. But uh, still, I think it'll be interesting to throw some of the names out there. I think the thing with this is is trying to sort through all of the different guys and find your group that you actually think is going to break out. I think that's the bigger thing. So we'll go through, talk a little bit about that. Uh, we'll also tell you a couple of things at the end of the show uh, regarding a big upcoming commitment uh, for the Tar Heels on the 2022 trip that you'll want to be keeping an eye on and we'll also update some of the guys in the NFL after preseason week number one as uh, a couple of guys fighting for roster spots, a couple of guys with a pretty with, with pretty nice performances to start out. So we'll tell you all about that. But first, we're going to take a look at some of the top storylines right now around Tar Heel football, of course, a week and a half into fall practice. Uh, they also uh, today learned their ranking in the AP poll, and that's what we're going to start with. Tar Heels ranked 10th in the Associated Press poll. Um, really, the difference is that Cincinnati is ahead of them. That was that was the only difference. Yeah. Cincinnati is 8. Carolina drops down to 10 as a result of that. Um I mean, honestly, can't really be all that, all that angry about that. Um, I mean, I, I still think that they're a better football team than Cincinnati. I think if you put those two teams on a field, I'm going to trust Sam Howell and this group to go out and and, and beat that team head to head on a neutral field. If both teams are kind of in a rhythm, middle of the season, but you know what? I think at this point, being inside of the top 10 is an accomplishment for this team. It's the first time they've been preseason ranked inside the top 10 since the 1997 season. So regardless, a great starting position for Carolina. And I think the biggest thing is, is if Carolina is looking to make the college football playoff for some reason, 
that you need to typically be inside of this range to have any short of chance to start the season. So they're in that range as well. So this is just about everything that you could have hoped for for the Tar Heels. Now it's about going out there and proving it. Yeah. Um, like you said, the only thing that was really different was Cincinnati's ranked ahead of you, which there's a the Cincinnati went undefeated in the regular season. They took Georgia to, I believe, overtime or a full 60 minutes in the Peach Bowl last year, returned their quarterback. Pathway for them to go undefeated and maybe spoil the college football playoff themselves. So it wasn't there was not a big drastic change from the coaches poll, Carolina's nine to the AP poll where they're 10. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I agree with you on Cincinnati. I think we've seen that the college football playoff committee not going to give a chance really to the group of five, but I think that's a good sign that they are eighth. Well, the there's a good chance of there. You have a two loss Pac-12 or a Big 12 champion and a two loss maybe Big 10 or ACC champion. Then there's a pathway for them to sneak in unless the Pac-12 has an undefeated champion, which I don't think that's going to happen either. A lot's got to go right for them. Right. But if the, if if they were on the college football playoff, I wouldn't be overly surprised. Well, here's the thing. First of all, it doesn't matter. If you take let's if you go in and you win every game in the regular season and you go in and you beat Clemson in the ACC title game, then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um is that going to happen? Who knows? Probably not. The most people would expect that's not going to happen, but there's other pathways for Carolina to get to the playoff. That's stuff that we'll be talking about throughout the season as this team goes throughout their schedule. If they're in that position, we'll probably maybe touch on it a little bit right before the season when we go through and look at the schedule one last time and give our official predictions. But other than that, um, I, I think that this is just, I mean, honestly, the only reason that this is really that important is this is the number that's going to be next to Carolina's name on that first night. On, on September 3rd when they play Virginia Tech. That's yeah. the only significance that this number really has to start the season. So a couple other storylines. Uh, Mac Brown, of course, took to the podium yesterday uh, on the day of recording, which is a Monday. Uh, he took to the podium yesterday on Sunday uh, to talk about his team scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, also, some other news that was released. He did say in the press conference, Bo Corrales is still limited in practice. That was one of the only that that was the only real injury update that you got from that. UNC later released uh, afterwards that uh, that uh, outside linebacker Ethan West out for the second consecutive year due to injury. Of course, he uh, played in a couple games early last year, got injured, missed the rest of the season. Uh, this year, he will miss the entire season. So you hate that for Ethan West. That's two years in a row with bad with uh, back-to-back bad injury luck. Former four-star recruit, guy that had a lot of talent, but just can't seem to get on the field. Uh, those are the injury updates, really, from camp. One really positive note that we heard from Mac Brown, he talked about this uh, at length in his press conference was that Caleb Hood has emerged as the number two running back behind Ty, behind Ty Chandler. The only real area that they're still somewhat concerned about him in is pass protection, but that's something that Mac Brown says that they are still working on with them. But they've really been impressed with him in just about every other aspect. He's done a great job of holding on to the football, which was something that I think they were wondering about. He looks really good out of the backfield catching the football, Mac Brown says. And he also talked about how he uh, – has the ability to uh, you know, put the foot in the ground and be patient in the backfield when running inside the tackles, has the speed to get to the outside, so a pretty complete running back as well. So it looks like as of right now, uh, there may be another guy that ends up emerging before the end of camp. There's still another scrimmage coming up. Carolina's still got plenty more practices before they get to the start of the season. But it looks like right now it is going to be Ty Chandler and then Caleb Hood when they go to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. So we'll see. We'll see what Carolina's backfield rotation looks like, but it is a positive that you are at least seeing some other guys start to emerge in that backfield. Uh, That was one of the big question marks coming into camp. Uh, One of the other big question marks, apparently not all that positive in terms of solving uh, the question mark, is Jacoby Criswell, Drake May, a backup quarterback. Uh, Mac Brown said there has not been really any separation there. Every time it looks like one guy is about to separate himself, the other guy usually comes back and performs well enough to where 
he puts himself right back in the race. That's the positive side of it is that it seems like mainly it's the fact that guys are doing good things that are allowing them to stay in the race, not that guys are doing bad things that are forcing them to fall back to the other quarterback that has gone behind. But Mac Brown did say that he is going to talk to Phil Longo. The goal is for them to try to find some more creative ways to create separation back there because Mac Brown said it. You've got to have another guy back there in case Sam Howell has to miss a game due to injury, due to uh, you know COVID concerns, which is something that's starting to pop back up here. Uh, so they, they've got to be ready for that situation. And right now, these two are battling it out. And of course, that is going to set the precedent as well for next season. Uh, they're hoping that that quarterback battle can be solved going into the first game of the year. But that might be one uh, that takes a little bit longer. That game against Georgia State, if Carolina is uh, in a good enough position, might be a game where they could uh, throw some of those guys into game action and figure it out uh, if it's still neck and neck at the time guy that is surprising is true freshman Bryson Nesbitt. Mac Brown says he is extremely excited with what he's seeing from the true freshman summer enrollee at tight end. Uh, he said that uh, he's got, you know, he's got really good hands. Uh, he can run after the catch. One thing that they were concerned about him coming out of high school because he played a lot in the slot as a tight end, uh, did a little more this year being attached to the line of scrimmage. They were a little bit concerned about his blocking ability, but that that's something that he sort of corrected. They said it looks really good. And he's a guy that Mac Brown said is pushing for some reps. So that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on there. You know, Garrett Walston is their number one tight end. We've heard a lot about Kamari Morales, but this is an extremely athletic tight end that can do a lot of things for you uh, in the passing game. Uh, he's got the ability to go up and get the football, and that's something that Carolina really wants in the red zone. So we'll see if Bryson Nesbitt is able to sort of gain some early reps here as we head closer and closer to the fall. Mac Brown did say on the defensive side of things, not a ton of updates on that side, really just focused on the fact that defensive snaps are now being divided up between who the best players are and who can give you something if they need to. Basically, they're just trying to sort out the depth chart there. You're trying to separate those guys that you look at as starters and the guys that you look at as rotational players. And Mac said the other big thing, mainly when it comes to that defensive line, is trying to figure out how how many snaps guys can play down there uh, while still being uh, as, eff as effective as they can possibly be before they have to take them out and rotate in guys that will allow them to uh, you know get a little bit of rest and not have a drop-off in efficiency on the field. Uh, he is also, one of the more interesting things that he said, looking at that linebacking position and seeing if there is some room for rotation there. He said that there has not been a lot of rotation there the first two years on campus, which, yeah, he's not lying about that. So now he's taking a look there and seeing, is this a group now, even though they're younger, with Cedric Gray, Power Eccles, Ra-Ra Dilworth, is there enough talent there to possibly get some rotation going there? Will that allow them to be more efficient? Those are the types of things that they're looking at on the defensive side right now. Uh, and then special teams. was a big focus on Saturday uh, in the scrimmage. Mac Brown, this has been one of the areas where he has said this Carolina team has to get better this year. They have really been focusing on it. He is liking what he's seeing. He says they've got a lot of really good pieces, starting with the guys that return uh, in the kicking game. Of course, you got Jonathan Kim, uh, who is your uh, your kickoff specialist back. And then you've got your two main kickers who return in Grayson Atkins, who will handle the place kicking, and of course the punting going the way of Ben Kiernan, who's been their punter for two years and has been pretty consistent. One of those guys that will probably be in the hunt for all ACC honors, but he said that he does like the guys that they have back there uh, as return options, really likes Josh Down, says that one of the main things that he's really been focused on here over the last uh, you know, couple of months is trying to get this team in a better spot when it comes to punt blocking and punt returning. And he said that punt blocking uh, was one of the things that he did very well at Texas. His teams did very well back then. He wants to get back to that at Carolina. And he thinks that that will help with some of the punt returning because he feels like you know, the last couple of years they've had a really talented guy back there in Daz Newsom, but they haven't done a good, jo good enough job in front of him to create those opportunities. He feels like Josh Downs 
is a similar player, a guy that could take it to the house just about any time that he touches it, but he needs that blocking in front of him, so they've made that a really big focus of camp. So those are some of the top storylines that are coming out of camp right now as they are a week and a half in. As I mentioned, next Saturday, another scrimmage. Uh, So they, they are getting into the thick of fall camp here. This is where the depth chart will start to be narrowed down. You would expect here over the next uh, couple of weeks we're going to find out what the depth chart looks like before they get ready to head up to Blacksburg as well. So uh, some crucial times here in fall camp and some of these question marks that still haven't been answered. It feels like we're going to start to find out some of those answers here pretty fast and furious over the next couple of weeks. So we move on to the breakout candidates. Uh, As we mentioned, we do this every year. Some of them have gone very well other predictions have gone horribly wrong uh, this year I think you know there's a lot of really good candidates that are on the list for this year um, a lot of young guys that are going to be playing significant roles this year that could break out uh, and we're going to give you our top five we may also talk about a couple of other guys that may have possibly been on our list as well but just didn't make it because there are so many guys this year but um, I'll let you start off I started off last week because you had uh, the hottest take this week I don't think they're overly uh, these won't be as bold as some of the predictions uh, from last week for who we think breaks out but uh, who do you got uh, as your number one breakout my number one breakout player um, I start with Josh Downs not really bold not really that all that surprising um He's taken over for Daz Newsom in the slot. We saw him in the Orange Bowl last year, what he can do on the field with Sam Howell as his quarterback. He's already emerged at Sam Howell's go-to target, um, what we saw in spring practice, and that's continuing over here in fall camp. I think this guy's got 1,000 yards and 10 touchdown potential in this offense. Um, And I think if Carolina's going to be the team they want to be, I think he's got to be that kind of player for this offense and and for this football team. So – He's my number one breakout player for this upcoming season. Yeah, I got him on my list as well. I'd I'd put him number one. I mean, you look at what he did last year in the Orange Bowl game in his most significant time on the field. Look the part of a guy that's going to be able to take over and play a significant role. Carolina is going to need him in the slot with Daz Newsome gone. uh, And he pretty much can do it all. He's a guy, I mean, I just talked about it there a minute ago, how Mac Brown says every time he touches the ball, he feels like he can take it to the house. That's not only as a Turner, that's as a receiver as well. So he can do a lot of things after the catch. He does a lot of really good things before the catch. And, I mean, he's got pretty reliable hands as we've seen as well. So it feels like this guy is one that's going to be one of the more complete receivers for Carolina in a while if he can live up to expectations. You would think that he's probably going to be somewhere around the numbers that Ryan Switzer was able to put up in his time on campus. Um, And I feel like this is one of those guys that may not quite be a household name yet. I feel like there are a lot of a lot of the really in-depth college football writers nationally probably know about him, but this is a guy that everybody will know. After I would say by Tekken. mid-season. I, I, I mean, may, yeah, maybe the Virginia Tech game, but I think definitely by mid-season he will be a guy that will be firmly on everybody's radar. Yep. Am I going number two? Am I going my whole list? Well, no. I. You didn't. Number one was Josh Downs for mine too. Oh, okay. Yeah, Number yeah. two for me is a guy that you put on your bold prediction list to lead the team in, sta- in sacks with over 10. Put Des Evans as number two. I think he put on the weight. We never questioned the talent last year. We, were, we we could just say he was a little bit small. He's added over 30 pounds of muscle over the offseason. And I, and I think, think he has a, the ability to be an electric player, record a lot of sacks, something that this defense needs. If this defense is going to take the next step, they got to be able to get pressure without blitzing their linebackers as much as they've had the last two years. I think he's poised to do that. He's my number two breakout player for this upcoming season. So I have I, I have a guy um, that you may or may not have on your list, but I mean, it's, it's tough because, again, I feel like some people – thought he got off to a good start this year. I think this is going to be a huge year for him, though, and that's Miles Murphy. We have heard a ton about him so far throughout camp. We heard about him a lot in the spring, too. But really, as they've started to go through those summer months and head into the fall, we've heard more and more about him up front, and it seems like he's going to play a big role either way. The best thing about him is that we've heard you know, from Mac 
Mac Brown and from a couple of the other guys on the team as well. He can move back and forth between yeah. end and tackle. That's why he's going to be, uh, you know, so versatile for this team, and they can use him in so many different ways. One of the biggest things for this team a year ago, they had some talent up front for sure. Ray Vowasik is a really talented dude in the middle of that defense. He's a guy that I mean, you said he's gonna you you have him as a first team All ACC guy. Mm-hmm. Phil Steele has him, you know, one one of the college football one of college football's preseason magazines best when it comes to predicting everything. Has him as a third team All American. You've got Tamari Fox who put up really good stats a year ago. But as we talked about late last year and it, throughout this summer, that was a group that got worn down constantly late in games, and it was very very evident in the games against Notre Dame and Texas A&M. Carolina needs to have another guy in there, and they've got plenty more behind them, but they need to have another guy in there that can be a force and can handle starter-like reps, and that's, I think, what Miles Murphy can be for this team. I mean, the statistics don't jump off the page for you, but he's a really sound defensive uh, you know, defensive lineman. I was going to say defensive end, but he can play both positions. Uh, and really just does a good job of covering his gaps. He, he's he's very smart player. Uh, and he's another guy. He's added a, little, added a little bit of weight, and it feels like he's probably going to be a little bit more confident in himself this year, having had a full spring and a full summer with the team in, in a more normal capacity. It's still not quite, you know, 100% normal in terms of what they've done in the past, but he's definitely in a good position, I think, this year to take a huge step forward, and I think, honestly, Carolina's kind of going to need him or somebody else behind him, if he's not the guy, to step up and have a big year for them on a defensive line where they frankly need to win more of those one-on-one battles, something that Mac Brown's talked about a lot. Number three for me is a guy we've talked at length really since we've got into the summer and the fall months. That's Giovanni Biggers. I think it's pretty clear that he's taken the next step. We've seen that in the spring game especially. Um, and, you know, it's really hard to say, what's, is he going to have 80 tackles or is he going to have five interceptions? I don't know. I don't know what his numbers are going to look like. Right. But I do think he's going to be a breakout player for the team in that secondary because he doesn't kill you. He makes the little plays that you need to make, and I think that's something that this defense really just needs. They need guys that are going to be sound football players. You're talking about Miles Murphy. He's a sound defensive lineman. Giovanni Biggers is a sound defensive back that Carolina is going to be better with him on the field as opposed to him sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, look, I don't think you know, and I I have Biggers on my list. I'll have him a little bit lower. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think any safety on this team gets to 80 tackles. I, I don't I think there is going to be so much rotation back there. And we talked about this last week, how this is probably going to be a week by week approach. One of the things that Mac Brown talked about in his press conference on Sunday that was a little bit concerning to me is that they are still letting up some deep passes down the field. That's an area where they've got to get better. And he said, look, we're challenging the corners to be better uh, on the outside. I I get that. I think part of this is still that the safeties may not be where they want them exactly. But also, you're going up against the top two quarterback in college football. He's going to make you look silly. Right. So, I I mean, we'll, we'll see. But I think there is going to be a lot of rotation back there. I said it last week. I think it's going to be one of those things where, look, if you make if you make one mistake, they're not going to pull you off the field. But if you're making enough mistakes where they feel like you are hurting the team, they will take you off and put somebody else back there. They have enough talent. They have guys that they feel confident in back there mm-hmm. uh, enough to where they can rotate you out, put you on the sideline, and say, look, you got to get this fixed. Right now you're out of the game because we've got somebody in there that we think is just going to help us not get killed back there. And I think that's the big thing uh, that that you'll have to see. And he'll be one of the main guys in that rotation. Uh, He is not at number three on my list. Number three, I have Des Evans, who you talked about uh, there. I mean, look, I have him reaching the double-digit sack mark, so I had to have him on this list for sure. And I I think he's going to take a big step forward this year. Uh, As I said, coming out of high school, the mindset, the mentality, the skill set really wasn't the question. It was just the fact that he was 235 pounds. In high school, I mean, that worked. 
worked. He was faster than just about everybody else. He was still more powerful than everybody else, even at 235 pounds. When he got to the college level, that wasn't necessarily the case. But even still, at 235 pounds, we saw him at times last year flash. Now he's got the extra weight on, and he's a guy that we've heard a lot about. We haven't heard a ton about the pass rushers, but every time that they get brought up, Des Evans is the first guy that gets talked about in that group. And the other thing is, is that you hear from a lot of the guys, a lot of the players, when they're asked about the guys that can get after the quarterback, Des Evans is the name that gets brought up. Even if he doesn't reach that 10-sack mark, if he can reach similar numbers to what we've seen from Taman Fox over the last couple years, I think that would meet the status of a breakout player, and I definitely think he's capable of that this year, uh, especially off the edge. And I mean, look... You know, the ACC's got some talented offensive linemen, but there are some offensive lines that, uh, let's be honest, aren't really all that great. So he should have a chance to tee off against some of these offensive lines, uh, especially early on in the season, and we'll see uh, whether he's able to get the job done or not. Number four for me is a guy we talked a little bit earlier in today's show, Caleb Put, who's already emerging as a number two running back. And you might think, well, he's the number two running back. Why is he going to be a breakout player? If you go back when I gave you the bold prediction and I had this team not making the ACC title game, one of my worries that I didn't think they'd be able to run the football early enough in the season where they, where I think if it's going to kill them at Virginia Tech and at home to Miami. But I do think if he's already cut himself as a clear number two running back, I'm not going to go back on my prediction, but I think it's easier for you to see Carolina winning at Virginia Tech, winning at Miami, because Ty Chandler is a guy that has a lot of mileage on him already playing at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Him being worn down, is a, is a a it's it's going to happen anyway because it's football, but if you have Caleb Hood ready to go at the start of the season, I think it's going to help your team a lot better. But I said this back in the spring. I thought by the end of the season he'd be the number two running back on this football he didn't, on this he football didn't even team. wait that he long. He didn't even wait that long. I think he is pull, I think he's going to set himself up to be kind of like what we got from Elijah Hood from his freshman and sophomore year. Well, that sophomore year, he, he can be a 1,200. Gee, or, I wonder, I wonder how you got to that comparison. May it have something to do with the last name? No, not at that's, all. I, I mean, look, I, I, Elijah Hood, that's – that's a big step. Um, I think he's capable of it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, the, the thing that I like about him is that the one of the things that Mac Brown talked about is at 225, he's a very tough kid. He runs with a lot of power. And we saw a little bit of that in the spring game. Yeah. But again, that's against your own guys. So I, I want to see what it looks like against Virginia Tech. But if he that that's the area that I am concerned with. When it comes to this running game, I, I think Ty Chandler, we've heard it from Mac Brown, and, and you can see it on tape when you watch Ty Chandler. He's got the speed to get to the edge. He's He's got that Michael Carter element that you're going to want. If he needs to run in between the tackles every so often, he can. But you need that guy that if you need to pick up two or three yards on a third down, you can rely on him. If Caleb Hood can become that guy, that would be huge for this Tar Heel offense. And, I mean, if you could find another guy that could help him out there, because there are going to be inconsistencies. He's a true freshman. It's going to happen. I'm looking at a guy like Josh Henderson to emerge there. And that's the thing. Mac Brown's talked about it multiple times. Did it the other day, too. Said that the skill positions are going to be very similar to 2019. So what that means to me is, I mean, wide receiver going to be a lot more rotation, but that that's not something that should be shocking at all. The thing that I think you got to focus on is that backfield. They are looking for that third person to emerge. Last year, they had didn't their two it. guys. They get they they didn't need that guy. If you had a third person that all of a sudden emerged and could help you out if a guy went down with injury, then great. They never ran into a situation where they had an injury. Or at, at least, I mean, they, they were probably moments where a guy got banged up, but you can lean on your run at, your, your other running back for a little bit, and then the other whoever got banged up was ready to go. This year, I mean, there's no guarantee that you're going to have guys that are going to be that durable again. And, I mean, there, there are still some unknowns. I mean, you're relying on a true freshman. And, and, and look, I mean, he's done some great things to this point, clearly, to get the trust of the staff to place him as as the number two running back yeah. uh, as of right now, and a guy that Mac Brown went out of his way to say he feels confident in. But I mean, this is a this is a guy you got to remember that's a converted quarterback. So 
I mean, here's the third guy. Main thing for that person, can someone emerge as a pass protector? If they can find that guy, that's going to be the guy that's going to come out there mm-hmm. and be able to help you uh, as your number three guy. Um, so that was your fourth, right? Yep. I have Eugene Asante. Um, I mean, it's it's weird because this is a this is one where you can kind of say, well, didn't he kind of break out in the game against A and M? I mean, I guess, but you got to remember that that was easily his most significant snaps that he's played in in his career. Before that, uh, he was seen sparingly. Now, every time he was seen, we were pretty much like. What is this guy not doing in the game more often? Like we love the guys we got out here, but this guy's a this guy's got a ton of talent. We we, we should be rotating him in. Um, he, I, I think he's poised for a, a pretty big season this year. I don't know. You know, I have Jeremiah Gimmel as the guy that's going to be a first team All ACC linebacker. To me, it wouldn't shock me if Eugene Asante was in that category either. Um, I think he gives you uh, more flexibility than you had with Chad Surratt. He's a guy that uh, I think can cover sideline to sideline a little bit better than Chad Surratt. And look, I mean, Chad Surratt was a guy that played off of instincts, uh, was was a great player, especially for a guy that was a converted quarterback. But that's the thing about him. He was a converted quarterback that was learning the position as he was going along. This is a position that Eugene Asante has been playing for years. He is a guy that fits this position perfectly. Jay Bateman, when he came in as part of Mac Brown's staff, made it a goal, a primary goal in that late uh, that that late signing period back in 2019 to go and get this young man. He's now finally going to get his chance. Mac Brown said when he was talking about both him and Josh Downs, that that experience was great for them, and they feel extremely confident in their ability going into this season, thinks that those guys uh, will keep them from missing a beat at all when it comes to the guys that are leaving. I'm the guy that thinks Eugene Asante could ultimately, especially by the end of the season, be an upgrade from Chad Surratt at the position. Uh, so I definitely think this is his year. Th- this is, I mean, there, there's a lot of guys on here that I think have a really, really good chance of breaking out. This is the one I might be the most confident in, either him or Downs. But I think I would be stunned if Asante is not at least the n- number two tackler on this team. That that would blow me away because he's just too good. Number five for me, if you're longtime listeners and readers of the Heel Tough blog, podcast and blog, it's Emory Simmons. I've put him the last two years, but I do think there is more reason this year to Rolling believe with him, he's going to be a breakout player. Mac Brown said when he met with the media a couple weeks ago that he's been becoming a deep target for Sam Howell. Carolina needs that. We've seen with this offense, even though it was a different offense when Larry Fedora was here, what happened when they didn't have a deep threat? The same thing happened in this offense. If Carolina can't throw the ball deep, it's going to be really hard for them to move the ball and score points the way they want to and they need to. For catches, 70 yards as a freshman, 15 catches, 201 yards that were in that great catch against Notre Dame last year. I said, uh, and I do think he's going to have a big time year for Carolina. Now, what that means, I don't know. I think it's more than 500 yards receiving and at least five touchdowns because I do think he's going to help take the top off of the defense. So he is my number five breakout player. If not, um, I don't know. He, he may come back for the senior year if you, he's on gonna, the roster. You're, you're going to have to put him on there again next year if he comes back. And he might come back again for a super senior season because he's, he's got an extra year of COVID. He does have that. He does have might that. Might put him on there um, again. Yeah, he. I, I'm going to be honest. I have been pretty critical of him so far in his first couple of years on campus. But he was the hardest guy for me to leave off this list. I had him right outside of this list. But I felt like with my bold prediction that Giovanni Biggers would start multiple games next to Aquarius Conley, I felt like I had to put Geo Biggers on this list. And, I mean, look, as you mentioned – this, he's been one of the talks of this team since the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, it really started generating at the end of spring and has carried over into fall camp. I mean, this is a guy that every time they talk about the secondary, whether it's the guys in the secondary, whether it's the uh, wide receivers that are going against the secondary or the coaches, they have mentioned at length Giovanni Biggers. And the biggest thing is, is that Jay Bateman – seems to talk glowingly about him. That's his position, Coach. I don't see any way that this guy doesn't have some sort of significant role in this defense this year. And I'm going to be honest, I think it's great. 
oh, because yeah. you know everything that we're hearing about him, and just you know, again, can't take a ton away from the fr- from the game uh, from the spring game. But everything that we're hearing about him is positive. And, I mean, look, we've heard some positive things about guys in that secondary in the past. I don't know about you. I don't feel like we heard this many positive things about a guy back there when we were talking last year about Don Chapman no. and Don, and and Cameron Kelly before no. the season. Um, and, I mean, my thing is, is, look, both of those guys are back. Don Chapman's been moved to the nickel. You could say, well, that's in part because of Jaquarius Conley. Okay, but that's also probably in part because they feel like they've got other guys back there at safety that can help them. Also, Cameron Kelly has not been talked about at all over the last couple of weeks. They have focused on Conley, Biggers, and Trey Morrison who returns back there. So that tells me that he has seemingly beat out Cameron Kelly at that position as well. To me, that's extremely telling that you beat out a guy that was at a, at times a starter a year ago, was one of the team's leading tacklers at the position a year ago as well. So I think there's a lot of really you know positive things that we're hearing. Plus, I told you last week, Jay Bateman said he's rotating back and forth between both free safety and and the bandit safety position. So this guy is is doing everything that he can to get on the field. I just don't I don't see any way that he doesn't have a big impact for this team this year. And I definitely think that he could be that defensive playmaker that Carolina is looking for as well. Um so, you know, like I said, toughest guy I had to leave off was Emery Simmons. I think another guy that's worth mentioning just because of some of the stuff that I have been hearing um, and seeing people, you know, talk about coming out of fall camp. Apparently, Anton Green has looked really, really good. So he's another guy that, you know, he's had so many injury issues so far in his career. Carolina, as we mentioned with Emory Simmons, still looking for that guy that's going to be the deep threat. Anton Green's shown some signs that he can be that type of guy, but every time that we try to figure out what exactly Anton Green is, he gets hurt. So... He's another guy that I think is definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, I mean, it, it, there's a ton, of, a ton of guys up there on the defensive line uh, that I think you know. It, it, depending on what you look at as a breakout player, uh, you could throw in there and say that they could potentially have uh, a breakout season. I know there's been a lot of talk about Kevin Hester up there. He was the guy that was mentioned most recently. Mac Brown talked about him. Kedrick Bingley Jones is a guy that I've heard mentioned in just about every talk of the defensive line, and they've usually mentioned him pretty early as well. Also, you've got the extremely talented true freshman up there and Keyshawn Silver and Javari Ritzy. Um, Cedric Gray is a guy that got a lot of run here over the last couple of days, right before Mac Brown talked, before the scrimmage as well. Uh, he's a guy that the linebacking core was raving about, both Jeremiah Gimmel uh, and Eugene Asante, as well as linebacker coach Tommy Thigpen, were very complimentary of him. They said that he's been doing uh, a lot of good stuff this offseason. He's put on some good weight, but is still one of the more athletic guys on the team as well so he could be a guy to potentially keep an eye on um and trying to think if there's anybody else that i'm maybe leaving out here uh i i I don't think so because i think you know you've got um you know the corner positions you've got you know tony grimes isn't going to break out storm duck uh one one good thing that apparently some people have been saying is that Storm Duck is back at practice. The belief is that he is pretty much going to be a full go uh, by Virginia Tech as long as he does not have a setback. He doesn't. He's not limited in practice apparently either. So that is a really, really good sign for him. Uh, another one that I throw in there that I've heard a little bit about here. I uh, didn't hear about him as much this week, and Mac Brown didn't really bring him up, but he didn't really talk about the wide receivers that much either. Uh, was Justin Olson, and and of course I mentioned him earlier. Bryson Nesbitt, probably another guy that we should put on there to keep an eye out uh, as well. But uh, really quickly, just I'll I'll run through – or you run through your five, I'll run through my five. We want to hear your five as well, but who do you got one through five as your breakout guys for this year? Number one, for me, no surprise, Josh Downs. He's poised to be a breakout player, not just in the ACC, but around the nation of college football. Number two, Des Evans. Number three, our boy Giovanni Biggers, who is poised for a much bigger role this upcoming 2021 Can't go an episode without making that joke. Number four, Caleb Hood at running back. He'll, he'll still be the number two running back, but that's a big part of Carolina's offense. 
confidence. And number five for me, my boy, Emory Simmons out there catching dimes from slinging Sammy this upcoming football season. Well, number one, I got the other guy that's going to be catching dimes from him, as you mentioned, Josh Downs at number one. Definitely looks like a guy that is going to be the talk of the country if he can live up to the expectations that he has coming into the season. Number two, I got Miles Murphy on the defensive line. Really see a big role coming from him for him, especially with the versatility that he is presenting up front for this team. Uh, number three, I got Dez Evans. Carolina's looking for that pass rusher on the outside. They're looking for that guy that can win the one-on-one battles. Dez Evans is the guy that's been talked about the most that can be able to do that for Carolina. Number four. Four, Eugene Asante, uh, just going to be a tackling machine in the middle of that Carolina defense. Also going to give them some versatility, potentially dropping back in coverage. So uh, it looks like he's poised for a pretty big season as well, but probably one of the more obvious ones and debatable as to whether or not he broke out late last year. And then I have Giovanni Biggers as number five on my list. Like I said, another guy that's versatile, can move back and forth between the two safety positions. It looks like he's beat out a guy that played a significant role there last year and Cameron Kelly probably also helped uh, to make the uh, choice to move Don Chapman over to the nickel easier. So more than likely, he is set up for a pretty big role this season uh, in that Tar Heel defensive backfield. And as I mentioned, we want to hear from you guys. Who are your five breakout candidates for this season? Uh, send those in to us. We greatly appreciate that. May run through some of those on the next edition of the podcast as well if you send those to us. So uh, make sure that you guys do that. We'll read off the Twitter handle, everything like that, or Facebook, uh, whatever, wherever you want to submit those. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, that does it for our breakout candidates for this season. We will revisit these later on in the year as we always do uh, and sometimes doesn't have the greatest results, but I'm going to be honest. I feel about as confident in my list this year as I ever have, meaning that all five of these guys will probably not play a single snap this yep. year. Uh, so we go to the closing uh, notes that I have here uh, to close down the show. As I mentioned, we have the recruiting note for you guys. Um, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week. We're going to have a podcast edition that we haven't recorded yet, but will actually come out before this podcast edition comes out. So go back and check it out where we are previewing Travis Shaw's upcoming commitment. That will be announced on Saturday at 6 o'clock p.m. That is a huge one for Carolina. Right now, the crystal balls are all in favor of Carolina, but again, everybody's still kind of holding their breath, especially after what happened with the Dalen Everett situation, because Clemson is still there. If Carolina can wrap this one up, though, this would be monumental for Carolina in terms of trying to grow a little bit closer to Clemson, locking down the state of North Carolina even more. And, well, you get a five-star prospect in the middle of your defense as well and a guy that's pretty much the definition of a space eater that you want a defensive tackle in the process. So uh, keep an eye out for that. We're going to have you covered on all fronts with that. As I mentioned, the podcast is up. We've got a commitment preview that's going to be written. We've got a commitment um, breakdown when he ends up committing. And... We have a new writer that's potentially joining the site as well that could be giving some insight as well. So keep an eye out for all of that. That is going to be very exciting uh, around one of the top prospects ever in the state of North Carolina in Travis Shaw. As for the guys that have already gone through the recruiting process, have already gone through their college careers, and are now in the NFL going through the NFL preseason, the Toriels have a bunch of guys that are on NFL rosters this year. A lot of guys that uh, have even gotten some chances that we, we didn't know if they would end up getting. I mean, there were a ton of guys. Austin Proles on a roster. That one shocked me a little bit out in L.A. Uh, caught a pass the other night. Uh, so he's potentially fighting for a roster spot. William Sweet. He's in Atlanta uh, as well. He's another guy that I was a little bit surprised to see on a roster. Buck Howard got an opportunity uh, up in Buffalo. So a bunch of Tar Heels right now getting at least some shots to try to make rosters here in the fall. Uh, some of the standouts from week one. Uh, of course, the guys that everybody was really wanting to see because of the, their roles or their projected roles this upcoming season. Michael Carter, uh, seven carries, 22 yards for the Jets. Uh, Javante Williams, five carries, 29 yards for the Broncos. Both of those guys are not projected to be starters right now. Javante Williams is probably the closest, but he's still behind the veteran Melvin Ingram. Or Melvin Ingram, Jesus. Melvin 
uh, Gordon, excuse me, getting getting my AFC West Melvins mixed up there. Um, he he's a guy that I mean, look, we know the history, the injury history of Melvin Gordon. It's probably only a matter of time, unfortunately, for Melvin Gordon that Javante Williams gets in there. But again, it's preseason; those numbers aren't mind blowing. But it's the it's preseason. You're running behind second team offensive linemen. It, it is what it is. Um, you know. Deami Brown, two catches, 16 yards. Chasserat saw him in there a little bit. He was in there relatively later in the game than I thought he would be in there, especially for a third-round pick. But uh, they have him a little bit further down on the depth chart when I went and looked than I thought he was going to be um, out there in Minnesota. To be honest, probably should play a little bit more because Minnesota looks awful. I mean, again, that's I, it's preseason, but yeah. they were getting blown out by Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So uh, not the greatest sign for them. Uh, as for the guys that surprised, though, and had really good performances, actually had the best performances of the week, Miles Dorn is a guy that leads that group off uh, out there in Minnesota as well. He had five total tackles in his game. Ryan Switzer, not the greatest game, two catches, 11 yards, but did have a receiving touchdown in that game for the Browns. And then Andre Smith, he actually led the Buffalo Bills in tackles. He had eight tackles and a tackle for loss in their preseason game Against the Lions, I don't uh, remember. I think who, so. I, yeah, I don't remember exactly who they play. Who they played? I believe it was the Lions, though. Uh, off to a good start for him. Uh, some of the guys, a couple of notes that I uh, wrote down here, just from looking at some of the depth charts that may shock some people. First of all, Charlie Heck is a second-team offensive tackle in Houston. He may actually get a shot there. Although, to be honest with you, don't really know how much of a shot he would want to get in Houston. That team is awful. I mean, here's here's the best part about that. I looked their depth chart up on Our Lads, which is a site that has all the depth charts on there. I went to their official website. They do not even have a depth chart tab. This is like a Max Preps team that is, you know, like 0-7. Like these, they're literally not doing anything. I'm surprised they even have the roster <laughs> online. Also... I went and checked Deshaun Watson somehow not listed as a safety on there. I thought they may put him on there since they've been running him through some reps out there, which makes me wonder, is Charlie Heck maybe doing some wide receiver drills possibly? Like, I, what a mess there. If he gets on the field, great for Charlie Heck. That would be fantastic. Um, but he's there. Uh, you know, Jason Strobridge from last year, still a third-team guy out there in Miami. But some of the guys that shocked me, Miles Dorn, who I talked about, he is right now uh, – the second team safety for the Vikings. He is actually right behind Harrison Smith. So, barring something shocking, it looks like he is going to make that roster. Yep. And if there is an injury, could play a significant role for them. Another guy, this one really, I, I, I think this will surprise some people, but he was a guy that when he was in Chicago a couple of years ago, he was doing some good things, did some good things for the Saints last year. Now he could potentially make the roster. That's Jalen Dalton. Um, and I was telling you before the show, he's down there. He's listed as uh, as a number two at defensive tackle, and they are not going to have Charles Anyamata to start the season due to a suspension. He may play a significant role early on for the Saints. Now, part Part of that says the Saints lost a lot of talent on their defensive line. The other part of that says this is a guy that's put in a lot of work. Mm -hmm. uh, he was one of those guys that we looked at when he was coming out in his year of the draft, and we were like, look, if he makes a you know a, a preseason roster, that would be a great step for him. He's really worked hard and has put himself in a good position to potentially make a roster there. Uh, so congratulations to all those former Toriel players that are on rosters right now or pushing for roles this season. And uh, that's one of those angles where if you're not really all that interested in preseason football, it's pretty much everybody, uh, then you can, <laughs> you can go through and check out some of those former Toriel guys. Mitch Trubisky, of course, up in Buffalo as well. Another guy that you could check out. Uh, uh, so uh, that that's something interesting to keep an eye on over these next couple of weeks. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, head over to the website, guys. There's so much great stuff going on uh, up there right now. We've got you covered uh, earlier in the week. We had a commitment from Jake Pope. That's actually tonight, the night that we are recording, but it'll be earlier in the week when we put this edition of the episode up. So make sure that you go back and check out. We'll have some uh, reaction to that, but mainly... We're going to focus on that upcoming commitment of Travis Shaw. You'll want to be locked in 
for all of the information on that over on the website. And uh, again, we're getting closer to the start of the season in Blacksburg, September 3rd. Uh, day recording, we're now in three weeks. Uh, by the time this goes up, we will be creeping in on uh, two weeks away. So we're going to have a bunch of great content going up there. Uh, as we mentioned, bold predictions, breakout candidates, those are podcasts, but we also do uh, the article versions of those where we go even a little more in-depth on some of these guys. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Check those out on the website. We're also going to have everything that you need when it comes to preparing for the game against Virginia Tech. We'll have your in-depth preview for you. We'll, of course, have your recap, your trend report, your stock report, all that stuff is coming back this year, so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out on that, and uh, you know, it, it's an exciting year for Tar Heel football. We're having, we're, we're going to have you covered uh, wall-to-wall from the start of the season to the end of the season, no matter the results for this Tar Heel football team. Also, in terms of some of the stuff that we're doing recruiting-wise, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit separate sometimes, I guess you would quantify it as, but the the scouting reports we are going to try to do some of those this year probably won't be as many as we've done in the past uh really just due to the fact that uh there's not as much time in terms of the schedules for uh for us this year as there have been in the past so while there may not be as many of them uh this year there are still going to be some up there on the website for you guys to check out throughout the season so that's what's going on football side of things uh with all that stuff uh trying to think if there's anything else football wise me you could go back check Check out all those in-depth position previews as well to get a feel for this roster as they head towards um, that game against Virginia Tech. And, of course, we've got you covered whenever Mac Brown has a press conference here in fall camp uh, to try to give you an idea of what exactly is going on. we got an article up there from his last press conference on Sunday. You can go back and read a little bit more uh, about what he said about Caleb Hood emerging as the number two guy uh, behind Ty Chandler. You can read a little bit more about the quarterback how they haven't separated yet, what he's trying to do to get them to separate, and uh, a little bit more on Bo Corrales being limited and what that means for the Tar Heels this upcoming season. All that over on the website for you, as well as some great basketball coverage uh, throughout the offseason here. Things are really going to start ramping up, though, pretty quickly here as Carolina will get into practice here shortly after the football season starts. And, uh, of course, uh, it is early November when they end up starting the season, but I mean, look, it's going to come a lot faster than you probably would imagine. The guys are already out there going through uh, some practices and stuff like that in the summer. So uh, this team coming together for uh, what will be the first campaign under new head coach Hubert Davis. Josh has you covered with that on the website right now. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'll... I'll join him a little bit during the season if needed, everything like that, uh, to help him through uh, what will be an exciting year for Carolina basketball uh, as well. Podcast side of things, if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. It's on any of the major platforms uh, that you can get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, probably the main ones that most people use, but any of those other ones, you can check it out on there as well. We've got it on as many as we possibly can, and uh, we also have it over uh, or. Yeah, we, we also have it over on Facebook. We post the link on there for you guys, as well as the video link for the podcast that is on there. That's where you can check it out. Uh, that's the best place to uh, like and follow so that you receive everything in one area. Those audio podcasts, the video editions of the podcast, the articles, all that stuff is in one central place on the Facebook page, Heel Tough Log on Facebook. And then uh, you can head over to Twitter, follow the Twitter page at Heel Tough Blog. Uh, and then follow us on our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for him, and then uh, at Hack Zubber 2 for our recruiting analyst here on the podcast. That wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.